Praise the Lord. So, so um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 on this morning. Once again, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to read verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. You all already know this scripture. But I need to share this with you. And I'm also sharing with those who are online. Because realize this. You got youth online. You've got new people online. And not everybody online is, has been in the church all their lives. And so, you know, and combined with that, be careful of being over familiar with popular scriptures. Because sometimes it, it, it is the familiarity that brings contentment. And when you read a scripture so much, and you see it on social media, you, you, you see it, you know, on bumper stickers, on coffee cups, you quote it. And, and become so ingrained, I think it loses sometimes its flex. And so I want to take this scripture, and I really want to take the next 20 minutes, and I just really want to pull out what I believe God is speaking in this, in this hour, okay? In this hour. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And if you're, if you're looking for the sermon notes, if you're looking for the sermon notes, Sister Linda, here's the second reason why I'm late today. I was uploading the sermon notes to our brand new church app. I don't have my virtual assistant yet. I don't have an executive assistant just yet. The one that I do have, she's still on vacation for the next uh, two months. And, you know, I learned not to bother folk in that space. So I uploaded my own sermon notes to the church app. And it took me a little bit longer than I thought before I left the house this morning. So you can always pull out the New City Church app on your iPhone or on your Android. And you will see these beautiful notes on your sermon. And the beautiful thing is you can share them with everybody in your family that after this sermon today, you're going to say, I know somebody who needs this message. I want to talk from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Good morning to my wife, Pastor Sharon. Should I give them the sermon message now or later on? Because I can give them our, my, my new sermon message today or I can wait to a later time. All right, she said, whatever. All right, well, certainly thank God for my wife, Pastor Sharon. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Now, is that what your Bible says? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Now, how many of y'all's Bible say that? Right? Let me just see a wave of hands. Somebody, everybody okay? How many of y'all know that scripture? Y'all have heard that scripture before. You've seen or heard that scripture, okay? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and what kind of mind? What kind of mind? A sound mind. I want to talk for the next few moments. God, keep my mind. God, keep my mind. Let me say that again. Uh, that's my prayer, by the way, in this hour. God, keep my mind. Uh, you're still quiet. God, keep my mind. And I want to talk about the blessings of having a sound mind. The blessings of having a sound mind. What kind of mind? A sound mind. Stay with me. I won't be long today. But the blessings, all right, of having a sound mind. Let me give you an interesting story. Let me give you something interesting to think about. In 1972, the United Negro College Fund launched its iconic advertising campaign, A Mind as a T 
terrible thing to waste. How many of y'all remember that, that iconic campaign? A mind is a terrible thing to waste. The campaign resonated deeply with America public, helping to raise more than $2.2 billion for college scholarships. Today, this model remains relevant as ever. But here's what maybe many of us didn't know. There were some scientific understandings that came out of that campaign. Uh, they, they realized a couple of things. Number one, um, it's not just college access that was the concern, but that if you really, really wanted to shape the next generation, you had to understand the importance of a brain's development in the early stages of a child, particularly from zero to five years of age. And so it wasn't just about access to college. Maybe we need to go back and realize the importance of early childhood education. Number two, they realize as well that it is a deeper appreciation that the brain was continually developing. The brain was continually developing. It takes me back to a theory that I heard years ago about the rubber band. About the rubber band. They say that a rubber band, when it is stretched and fully stretched, could never return to its former state. When your mind, hallelujah, when your mind is stretched with vision and ideas and God's word and revelation and faith, you can't go back to business as usual. You can't go back to just normalcy. And I, I begin to ask myself as I read that thought, if that's the case in the natural, how much more in the spiritual? What do you mean by that? Um, um, if, if, if investing in the mind is important for a child at zero to five, I wonder how important is investing in a spiritual baby at, in the beginning of salvation? i.e. next steps classes, Sunday school, new members, new believers, okay? Even with a pandemic and social distancing, should we just forego new members and new uh, believers classes? Should we forego discipleship, right? How important, I wonder, are, are these essentials, okay? So here we are almost 50 years later and now there's a new campaign. And in, other, in other words, they're, they're, they're retroing, uh, Elder Rowe, you'll appreciate this, Elder Rowe. They're retroing that, that famous 1972 campaign, and that is this. Um, uh, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But the new retro version says, but it is a wonderful thing to invest in. I think I'll pause while I get my water and I get my towel. Uh, there it is. Why don't you all quote that? If you all don't mind, would you all read that on the screen while I take a sip of that water right there? Thank you. Come on, read it out loud if you don't mind. Come on, everybody. Let's read it out loud together. Let's go. A. Come on. Uh-huh. Let's say that again. Come on, let's try it again. Everybody. Hey, hey, let's say that with some authority. Come on. A. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to invest in. I pray these next 12, 14, 15 minutes or so 
you leave out of this sanctuary with value. With, with sustainability, biblical, theological, I really had church today value. Because we as a church invest in our spiritual, we invest in the ecclesiastical, but we really don't take a lot of effort in investing in the mental, the emotional, nor the relational. Okay? Stay with me. Stay with me. We invest in how we dress, how we drive, what we learn on the wall with our degrees and our certificates. We invest with how we present, how we play, how we do hospitality, the bells, smells, the performance. And let's go, deep, let's go deeper. We invest in trying to hurry up and get to heaven as fast as we can. And we invest in trying to be spotless and stainless from this corrupt, evil, ungodly world. So whatever you do, be as focused and as fast-paced and tunnel vision as much as possible to heaven. And there's nothing wrong with that campaign. God knows it's not. But what about the rest of you while you're here on the earth? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I want to help you. Because I'm trying to help me while I'm helping you by the word of God. And I'm going to say some things today. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. You're going to look back and say, this was a game changer. And it's not your fault. It's not my fault. We are in an era and a culture where we have focused so much and it's nothing short of escapism. We used to say it like this years ago. We're so heavenly bound that we're no earthly good. Jesus said to occupy until I come. The word occupy, trade, barter, do business, right? It was reinforced in the, in the first church. In fact, you know, 1 Thessalonians is really the oldest book in the New Testament, not the Gospels, but 1 Thessalonians. It's dated and aged as the oldest book. So in other words, there were some instructions given to the earliest and the oldest of Christians. And you know what those instructions were? You know what? Um, you know what? Yeah, we want to get rid of the rapture. Yes, we're pilgrims passing through. Yes, the Lord's return is near. But you know what? You all may want to go ahead and get married, get you some houses, some land, and get back to work. Ain't no need for y'all be at the altar praying, speaking in tongues, and just waiting and waiting and waiting. Because Peter said, not Thessalonians, but Peter said later on, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. So when God says, I'll be back any day now, his day and our day are two different days. Okay? And so what I'm trying to say here is we've been caught in this vacuum of if we're not careful, um, you know, hey, let's make sure we have all this right here together. And then on Sunday mornings, let's combine that with all that we do on Sunday mornings. And, and, but we are a mosaic mess, oftentimes behind closed doors. May I take it a step further? Now, am I? I <laughs> okay, so, 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 in this season of the city church, 
right? In this season of the city church, we are investing in our minds, our emotions, and our relationships. We've been through 18 months of stress, tension, anxieties, insecurities, inequity, disparity. We've gone through, uh, 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 gosh, come on, you know it. This pandemic has had its impact on not only America, but on the world. But because of this disparity in the black community, we still have the majority of unvaccinated people in America, black and brown, because we don't know what's in the vaccine, so therefore I ain't taking it. You don't know what's in your aspirin. You don't know what's in your Tylenol. Right? But one thing we do know, them body bags at the hospital ain't fake. What we do know is that those numbers in our community, and here's the difference between now and maybe 12 months ago, uh, or, or let's say, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, eight, you know, 16, 17 months ago. People were on ventilators and respir respirators and ventilators, and, and if they did die, it was a slow death, two, three, four weeks, two months, so on. What we're seeing with this Delta variant now is folk are getting sick on Monday, and they're dead Wednesday. And we're not talking about folk in the 80s and 90s. Why are you not saying amen? What is it that you don't like what I'm saying? Read the paper. Look at the news. Well, I don't trust the media. Oh, so now we got to deal with a conspiracy theory. All right? The reality is this. God very well could be getting our attention. And you could continue to be the ostrich with your head in the sand, refusing to see, hear, and believe. Or... You can get with the program and live your life and help others live their life. Now, here again, let me go back to the, 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 the facts, okay? The majority of us are black and brown who are resisting. But the majority of us are dying like flies. And I don't know why that doesn't register with people. I don't know why. I said it the other day and I said it again. If that's the way you're going to roll, at least get some insurance for your family. And get some insurance for the church. Add us to the policy if you don't mind. God may want to use you to bless the church and, and, and continue on this miracle. All right? All right, let's get back on target. I got off target with my little rant and my rave. But I think, you know what? I went off target. I'm on target. You know why? Because God has not given us the spirit of fear. He gave you a safe and a sound thinking. I know I got to move on because we got a lot going on. But you know what? I, 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 I want to do this, and I know you gave the announcement already. But friends, let me say this. It's not too late to join us on Tuesday nights. It's not too late to join us on Tuesday nights. Um, I really appreciate it. In fact, I want to celebrate those who cannot be there, but you join us online. That does make a difference. We appreciate your conversation. Unfortunately, I'm not, we're not gifted enough to, to balance the, the conversation between online and on campus. So bear with us if we don't get to your comments as fast as you'd like us to. But what I encourage you to do is, is to create circles and create groups of you, among yourselves online. That way you can continue the conversation even if we don't respond to you. That's what we call connectivity and engagement. Please keep that screen up. So here's the thing. I need you to participate in your own mental, emotional rescue. 
Because we can lead you, we can lead a horse to water as day as long as the day is. But if you don't choose to drink, that cannot be on the church. It can't be on God. That's your decision. All right. You need to treat these Tuesday night Bible studies like you treat Bank of America Stadium with a couple of free tickets. All right. You need to treat an hour and 15 minutes of investing in your own mental sanity, emotional healing, relational bettering, like you do watching the BET Awards for three and a half hours and everybody's shaking their behind and cursing and acting an idiot. Okay? We are a lot further off than we think we are. And, 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 and I'm telling you right now, we have a plethora of teachers, so it's not just me on my soapbox. No, I've only, I technically only taught one class. I gave the intro about a month ago. I taught one class, and we have others in this church who are gifted, anointed, and you know what? They're proven. We're not asking nobody to experiment, close your eyes, and just open some book and just start talking and rambling. Okay? So with that being said, I want to give you a little teaser from a, uh, from a page that really kind of stood out to me. And it, maybe this will resonate with you. And then maybe you'll go home and Google the book, download it, uh, Kindle, ebook, or uh, search out whatever bookstore in Charlotte where you can go pick it up or have it overnighted on Amazon and get with the program. Because I want to say this right now, and I know I'm going to sound like I'm judging every one of you. I'm not judging you. I love you. I'm your pastor. I don't want anything bad for you. I don't want to hurt you. But I got to say that probably right now, seven out of ten of us are struggling emotionally. And, and we don't know what to do. You know why? Because we've been doing it for 30 years. And the church has been designed not to address those areas. It's not your fault that you serve with pain. It's not your fault. That you sing with hurt. It's not your fault that you usher with bitterness and unforgiveness. It's not. We've been perfectly designed to make sure the performance and the engine goes. And we dress up well. Like my shoes? Yeah. I like your hat? Yeah. Look at my sequins? Yeah. But these are the things we can see. But what about the things we can't see? How many times have we come to church looking real deep and spiritual and really holy and really lovey, 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 but we go home, living roommates. You go to your bedroom, I go to my bedroom. Well, we in the same bed, preacher, right? But you go to your side of the super king, and you go to your side of the super king, and you put a line of pillars in the, mean, in the middle of you, just so y'all don't accidentally touch one another. And every blue moon, now mind you, you ain't going to talk for weeks on end. But every blue moon, you starting to feel a little something, something. You don't even ask, you just start grunting. And that's cold talk for, I'm feeling horny. Then you want to put out the guilt trip because if you don't take care, somebody else will. See? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you wake now, see. Y'all yeah, all right now? Everybody okay? See, uh, on my notes, you don't have it on your notes because I don't put everything on these notes. I don't put everything on that phone either, but on my notes, I got something that says, this book is exposing us all, including me. My wife and I have been arguing so much these past few days, it don't make no doggone sense. <laughs> but then we come back together and make wonderful love. And we argue some more. And then we dance. 
She gave me a, I mean, she, I mean, let me see. Uh, she, uh, look how quiet y'all are. Y'all look at me like we didn't, I didn't say we sinned. We didn't sin. We just had some conversation. Hmm? You, did we not? You okay? I, I'm no, don't make me look like I'm lying up here because we're going to really have some arguments. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, I know it's the truth. Tell the story. Right. Okay, shame the devil. Right. <laughs> but the book is exposing because it's truthful. And the word of God is sharp. And dare we not be the church that says this is for the y'all and not for the us. So I honor, I'm honored, and it is a beautiful thing to say. We are going through this growth process together. Mm. If this was a men's only session, I'd say what I want to say, but I can't say it right now. We got some ladies and we got some youth, and we're online. And I don't want to give the devil room to create mockery. But you're going to find out that it's okay not to feel okay all the time. You're going to get comfortable realizing that there are some things in your past that still have an effect on your now. Because in the church, we're taught, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Well, that might be in the spirit realm when it comes to sin, but that may not apply to habits. That may not apply to proclivity. That may not apply to appetite. That's why he died on the cross for our sin, so we can overcome those things and not be a slave to those things. Everybody okay so far? Now, this ain't in the book, but it is in the Bible. Go to your Bibles, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, all right? Everybody okay so far? I just want to help you. But the goal is that you make a beeline turn and invest in your own rescue. Okay? Because I cannot contribute and aid in a bit your demise as you watch your own spiritual funeral. You cannot participate in the parade of your own spiritual demise. Look, look, what, look, what, look what Paul says to the church at Rome. Chapter 8, verse 5. Romans, chapter 8. And by the way, if you have that wonderful, beautiful, shiny, gorgeous church app, you can hit the Bible feature and pull up Romans <laughs> chapter 8. Come on, deacons, I need your help with this one. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set. If you have a pen or a pencil or highlighter, highlight the word set. Circle the word set. Set, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, Okay, I don't want you to add the word set, but in my imagination, I would have added the word set right there. Set, all right, the things of the spirit. Let's keep reading. For to be carnally minded, to be carnally minded, all right, is death. To be carnally minded is death, right? Uh, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I've lived both of those lives. I've lived both of those realities. And guess what? You have too. I don't mind admitting it, because thank God for healing and freedom and deliverance. But uh, you can talk about what you've been healed and delivered from. Kind of hard to confess and say amen and holler and shout and dance when you're still in the mix. But, to live, but because, here's the reason, you want to know the why? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, your fleshly, 
carnal, stinking mind is always set against not only God, but his plan, his purpose, his will, and his word. Just keep reading. For it is subject to the word of God, nor indeed can it be. It is not that it's subject to the word of God. In other words, your pornographic mind, your lesbian mind, your battling, uh, uh, duplicit, hypocritic, talking, slandering, uh, can't keep a secret mind, uh, can't be subject to the word of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the, come on, those who are in, let me get back to the scriptures on my, on my, on my notes here, uh, in the flesh, they cannot please God. There lies the battles, my friends. I want to read that first verse once again in the NLV, or excuse me, the NLT. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God. Everybody all right? Can I go a little further? I say, can I go a little further? Everybody all right? Uh, I hear my late spiritual father, Bishop Otis Lockett, saying, uh, would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, uh, you're not mad at the pastor, are you? You're not mad at the pastor, are you? All right, let, let, me, let, me, let me move on just for a little bit further. I, I, I won't, well, I can't, I can't say that. Uh, let me, I, I can't do all 10 for the sake of time. I do have my eye on the clock. But I do want to give you a little bit of chapter 2. Here's how you know whether maybe you need to alter your Tuesday nights or not. These are 10 top symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. In other words, here's how you know whether you are a hot mess in the church. Okay? I can't give you all 10, but I'll give you, I'll give you some of them. Number one, uh, are you using God to run from God? Do you ignore the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear? Because you know in the church, we're not supposed to be angry. We ain't supposed to have fear, and we ain't supposed to be sad. Uh, three, uh, no, that's uh, four. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, watch four. Denying, do you deny the past impact on your right now present. And I'm righteous this in Jesus Christ. I'm saved, sanctified, filled, holy, blessed, highly favored. Uh, 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 ain't, ain't, ain't nothing in my past marriage. Ain't nothing in my past abuse. Ain't nothing in my past life affecting me. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm fine. I'm child. I believe the report of the Lord. Okay. All right. I, I sure hope you're living consistently. Number five. Um, are you dividing your secular life and your sacred lives into compartments? I think we do that and don't realize we're doing that, right? We live a certain way Monday through Friday, but then we, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, be somebody else on Sunday, okay? It's amazing how we can put on two different hats depending on what crowd we in. I think, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Peter had that problem. If I'm not mistaken, Peter had that problem. And Paul said, you know, Peter, it is high time for you to stop being a hypocrite. I noticed that when you were this certain group of church folk, you act certain way. But then when your old friends in the old church folk get around you, all of a sudden you flip a script and you start acting a certain way. He said, you know what? You are to blame and you are the hypocrite. Bible says, you know what Bible says? Bible says that Paul withstood Peter to his face. He didn't get on the internet, internet meal. He didn't get into the rumor meal. He didn't have no private prayer circle and over spiritualize the rumor. He just went to him straight up and said, you know what, Negro, you are the problem. Who you talking to? No, no, no. Well, you know, the Bible says that we should lay our gifts down, all right? 
Let's put down the praise and worship. Let's put down the preaching and let's go face to face and talk and let's deal with the issue. Now, in the Bible says, if they don't receive you then, you bring another elder with you. And if they don't read another elder, you bring them before the whole church. And if they still soil up and arrogant, acting a fool, put them out of church. Nobody on this side of the church said amen. You know what? Because your Western democratic policies don't believe in church order nor church discipline. Now, if I, the pastor, the leader, the visionary, the bishop designate can stand and say, you know what? I'm sorry, forgive me, I'd like to earn your trust again. If I can do that, can you look at your wife and say, baby, I'm sorry? Can't you go to the deacon's board and say, deacons, I've been not who I need to be, brothers, would you all forgive me? Can't you as a sister go to the rest of the sisters and say, let's sit down and have a cup of tea. I'm, I've messed up, forgive me, I'm not going to do this again, I'm here. Why? Okay, let me, I, I don't usually come down like this, but I think I will. Uh, and boy, it would not be a good time for you to be bobbing for apples right now because if you fall asleep while I'm preaching, I may, I'm subject to call, say hello, or you sit with me. Now, uh, seem like to me, seem like to me, you're so spiritual and so deep and so holy, and you hear from heaven and you walk with the Holy Ghost and Apostle James, Paul, Daniel, and all the rest of them. But, but what about the spirit of brokenness, contrition, and humility? What ever happened to those traits? My time is almost up, but if I had time, I'd take it to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9. Jesus, our chief example, our king example, the greatest example. He humbled himself. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Hmm. He humbled himself. Became obedient to the, death, to the cross, even to the death cross, uh, excuse me, you know, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. And if anybody could have been equal with God, it would have been Jesus. But you know what? For those 33 and a half years, he wouldn't even dare think it robbery to be on his level. You know what he did? He humbled himself. Mm -hmm. How did he humble himself? He took the form of a bond servant, made himself of no reputation. He came in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and made himself obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, God did not forget about his humility. Listen, when you humble yourself, you ain't got to strong arm yourself around the room. God will promote you. God will see your contrition. God, and I also notice this. I also notice this. Uh, when you are penalized or when you have to do the sentence, this ain't my way. I'm going to do the sentence on my terms. Uh, when you, I've never been to prison. I'm proud to never go either. But, you know, I don't know if you can go to prison on your own terms. I'm going to show when I want to show up. I'm going to leave when I want to leave. And this is the type of air condition I want in my prison cell. And give me some, I don't need all the direct TV packages, but I do want the other packages. Well, at least I can get the sports channels. I don't think it kind of works like that. When you are subject under an authority and you're going through a penalty in a disciplining season, you have to submit yourself to the authority and the correction of those that are doing the disciplining. Let me move a little further. Some of you all are getting more and more upset with me. Did I ever finish my list? I don't think I did. Let me finish my list. Ah, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. Number seven, spiritualizing away conflict. Issues happen. Conflicts happen. And you just kind of want to sweep it under the rug and, oh, the, the Lord's going to handle it. Well, maybe the Lord wants you to handle it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait on a divine connection and a divine confirmation. How many confirmations are you going to need here? All you got to do is just put it all down and go sit down and talk to your wife and deal with it. Covering brokenness, weakness, and failure. Mm. Living without limits. Judging other people's spiritual journey. Now, these are things on the personal. You need to ask yourselves, where am I on this scale? If you give me another four or five minutes, allow me to indulge you with my concern as a pastor. Okay? I want to give you my concerns as a pastor because I have to be accountable for the church, the city church, the city church of God in Christ. And when it's all said and done, I will stand before the Lord and he will say, give an account for the stewardship of the spiritual vitality of this church. Not the board, not the elders, not the deacons, not the mothers. My wife and I, not even really my wife, it'd be me. Many of y'all know I'm, I'm an adjunct professor at Oral Roberts University. I was at Oral Roberts University when it went through the lowest days of their history, when they were 70, 80 million dollars in debt. I was on the campus when the campus was dilapidated and it was a laughing stock of the world. And one day a, guy, one day a man minding his own business was in prayer and God spoke to that man. And God told that man to write a check for $50 million and give it to that school. The miracle is that man was not an alumni. He wasn't a board member. He wasn't in some type of philanthropy department. He had no ties to the school. All he wanted to do was be obedient. That man's name was Mark Green. He's the owner of Hobby Lobby. And because he did that, people from everywhere started matching and giving and giving and giving. Today, that school is a whole different international phenomenon. All because way back in the early 1900s, God spoke to a country white man under a tent revival who was half dead of tuberculosis that I'm going to do something in your generation and I'm going to raise up a university where students will hear my voice. I'm a part of that team and I've been doing this for three years. My wife will tell you, I have tried to turn in my resignation letter for the last six months. Why? I've taken on some consulting clients. And both of them, in fact, in fact all three of them, they pay very generously. And I love doing what I do. I'm happy to do what I'm doing. And now I'm at a point where I got to say, okay, I have to give up something. Because I can't do everything and keep my balance. So I've already turned in my little resignation email. But they won't respond to it. I turn in another email saying, I can't do it again. But they won't respond to it. So now I'm going back and saying, God, I really do love these classes. Because, Elder, I, I have the opportunity to take somewhere between 15, 20, sometimes 25 students. Brazil, Africa, white, black, bishops, uh, administrators, this denomination, that denomination, on a master's level and talk for an hour and a half about spirit-empowered ministry, spirit-empowered pastoral care. And I have seen the Holy Spirit move online in such a way. I'll sit back sometime and watch them dab their eyes 
as the word of God is moving. And once again, you know what the theme has been online as it has been as we travel? One thing, brokenness. Sister Donette, I have challenged them. As we have traveled and as what we're sensing all over the country, could it be that the next major move of God is not going to be the preaching and the teaching? It's not going to be the praise and worship. It's not going to be the choirs. It's not going to be the platforms and the conferences. Maybe the next move of God in the church will be through the spirit of brokenness. Men and women who've been to hell and they've stayed there for a season. And you can still smell the ashes, the embers, the smoke. You see the scars. You see the limp. But they've come out. And they got a vision, a revelation, and they've got some tenure. They've got some proven sustainability and success. Now, they're building again. Whether it's their marriage, whether it's their businesses, whether it's their ministries, whether it's their monies, talk to me now, no matter what was destroyed, no matter what was burnt to a crisp in their lives, God took them right back to the ashes of what was burnt. And on those ashes, a phoenix of glory is rising up. God will often take you right back to the very area of what was destroyed, whether it was publicly or privately, right? And he will build again, again, for the world to see. Not that you get the glory, not that man gets the credit, but that God says, when I choose to restore man, when I choose to restore a church, when I choose to restore a business, when I choose to restore a woman, God said the glory will not be of man, but the glory will be of me. But it will only happen if you humble yourself. Find a spirit of brokenness. I got three minutes left. I want to use them wisely. Listen to this statement. Listen to this statement. In today's church, and let me just talk about us, us Pentecostals. In the Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost church, there seems to be this ongoing downgrading and discounting of intellectualism. In fact, it is almost an anathema to highlight and value the necessity of the mind. Bishop Hutchins says it best. It seems like we invite people to come to church and check your mind in at the front door when you come into the sanctuary. Jesus reminds the church to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and with all of your talk to me church with all of your yet in many of our churches today there seems to be this antagonistic approach against logic reason and intelligence i got a book on my shelf at home i hadn't read it in years in fact i don't have time to read it i wish i did but i don't but it's a book called full gospel fractured minds it's by Rick Nunans. 
Rick Nunez. And here's a quote in that book, and I quote, our, ab our ability to reflect, reason, and contemplate, and to think creatively, are indeed gifts from our maker. Thus, to count the aspects of our nature as second rate, to court a prejudice against matters of the mind, or to hold our intellectual commodities in suspicion, is not only classical intellectualism, but it is sin. It is sin. Let me bring that home real quick while I got a couple of minutes left. <sighs> Somehow or another, we feel as the more spiritual we are, the more full gospel we are, it is as if we are pitting experience against logic, faith against reason, spirituality against rigorous mental exercise, emotions against intellect, having a full heart but a vacant head. You know, we tell the people, child, keep getting your burning, just don't lose your learning. And we got to get back to a point in place where we have burning spirits, but yet sharp minds. But unfortunately in the church, we have reduced ourselves to a bunch of happy, clappy, and wacky Christians. Look at the evangelical community. And I was a part of that for several years, a decade ago. I've been all over the country to churches in Colorado where there'd be pistols taped to the pulpit because they were wonderful Second Amendment churches and signs all over the place. I've been all over the, I've been all over the place. And people do all type of weird stuff. And I'm sitting there scared to death. Number one, I don't believe this stuff. Number two, I'm the only black person in this crowd. But I was on an assignment. I've been way up three, four hours north of uh, Madison, Wisconsin. In fact, I, I was one of the first African-American speakers to publicly speak in a little town called Adams, Wisconsin. It was so meaningful, they put up article in the newspaper. And we ain't talking 1935, we're talking less than 10 years ago. But that became the poster child for evangelicalism. You take that combined with some of the stuff we do in our type of churches. Come on, y'all, y'all are so quiet on me. You know some of the stuff we do in our churches. Seem like smaller the church, more holiness the church, the more weird stuff we do. Hmm? And we say it's God. And we say it's the Holy Ghost. Sometimes, I believe it is, but sometimes, I'm not quite too sure. The Holy Ghost causes the man to start sparring and boxing and uh, 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 bam, boom. What's going on with that Negro? Man, that's the Holy Ghost on him. Really? Wow. You remember that? And you know, you know what I'm talking about, too. They ain't gonna call no names, but I know why I know where he is to this day. Huh? People sitting in the floor, three, four in the morning, Indian style, like this. Paperwork, books, Bible, commentary, Bible dictionary, the sources, binds the sponsor dictionary, Josephus manual, all this. I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost in the room. And we putting up with that stuff. Hey, Pastor Mike, guess what? Yeah, what's going on? God told me we're going to have a Christian karate movie, and we're going to go big, and we're going to make a lot of money. And, and, and we just, yeah, man, praise the Lord, that sounds real good. No, it don't sound real good. That sounds stupid. Now, if God told you, okay, fine, but I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Hmm? We, 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 we oh, I mean, come on. What, what, we see some stuff. 
Man, I understand, you know, I, I never did get with the whole vomiting and spitting and a snot coming out the nose during worship. And I know, God bless our greeters and our ushers. God bless them. I used to feel so sorry for them in the services. I just didn't know if that was God. Because that don't sound like control to me. And the Holy Spirit is, a, is, is of control. But every time the anointing fell, the, the, the snot would just come in layers. And I just kind of wondered, where is, seemed like the Holy Spirit would have, almost every service, that's the point I'm making. Hmm. And, and, and I'm just, it just makes you wonder. You know, uh, we do things that make these young people, like Brother Trey in the back, like your son, uh, grandson Jayden, we make them kind of not want to come back and be in this kind of group. Certainly don't want to share this video with our friends online because we can't explain it. And I'm concerned about us being the guardians and the gatekeepers of sanity in the church. All right, you're not saying amen anymore. That, that must let me know you don't want, you know, like what I'm saying. Be careful. Because sometimes we separate the heart from the head. And we shouldn't do that. Science has become adverse. Uh, science has become an adversary to faith. Critical thinking now is viewed as negative thoughts and almost demonic. Our young people are not allowed to ask questions no more in the church. We don't even have forms. We don't even have, we don't even have culture form where people can put their hand up and say, hey, I got a question. And, and, and ask the question without the pastor feeling intimidated. Like you got a false motive. Well, if God so good, can God create a rock that he can't lift? Well, who do you think you asking me that question? Ah, don't you know I'm the man of God? Well, he just asked the question. Answer the question, man. So we have to really rethink what we're doing in the church. And then we have the nerve to ask scripture to aid and abet our ignorance. You all remember these scriptures. Like, learn, oh, well, you know, the Bible says that they will unlearn an ignorant man. Acts chapter 4. Uh, well, you know, knowledge does puff up. Knowledge does puff up. So now we want nobody to go to school. We tell people, you know, I would destroy the wisdom of this world. Well, he didn't mean go to school. He didn't mean get more biblical knowledge. But we use some scripture because we're ignorant. And we don't know biblical understanding. Well, you know, the, the letter killeth, the letter does kill, but the spirit gives life. So we use those things as weapons against using your mind. Well, you know, Bible does say, and you need not that any man teach you. And now you don't submit yourself to correction or teaching in the house of God. Oh, you, you all have no idea how more deeper I can go into these things because this stuff is real. And you'd be surprised the number of people who hide behind church vernacular to, to, to be evasive of taking personal responsibility in their hearts. My time is up. I promise you I'll be out at a certain time. Would you stand to your feet? I want to give you three things to pray about as we dismiss. Three things. I could do part two and part three and, and, not, and just keep this thing going. And you may say, why? Because it's real. Not for you, it's real for me. Okay? Um, as I was in prayer this morning, I, I praised the Lord. I said, God, thank you that my wife and I can have these heated discussions. And unlike years ago, 
we can quickly come back and talk and reason and get it right and not let it fester and harvest and not look for exit signs and not find outlets because that's a sign of maturity and moving onward and I hope you're experiencing something similar Paul when you go back this week and read 2nd Timothy chapter 1 he opens the book by saying I am the apostle the apostle comes to build to establish to set in order he says Timothy you're the true son and I put those two scriptures together and I said God you're you're, you're raising up a generation where you are reestablishing the apostolic sonship order of the church the apostolic sonship in other words God is God is restoring the importance and the value of fathering and one of the things that the enemy stole these past few years was the spirit of fathering not preaching not teaching not performance not singing not cut lights on cameras action but the spirit of fathering because there was no confidence there was no conviction truthfully it probably was no not not a priority but I know that we're now in a season where God is restoring the apostolic fathering and sonship because the next thing Paul says is there's a gift of impartation through the laying on of hands he says Timothy I want to stir you up through the laying on of hands of a gift now remember now we're not talking about natural dad Timothy had a Greek dad but it was through his mom and his grandma's spiritual that Paul steps in and says I'm going to lay hands on you and I want to impart something in you and what's the next thing Paul says as his spiritual dad God has not called you to be fearful in fact here are three things he's given you power love and a sound mind I think we got the whole power part right we got Holy Ghost power and we know all about Ephesians 6 weapons of our warfare not carnal are we wrestling against flesh and blood we know all about Ephesians 3 we got the power part. Check. Love. But do we really have that love part yet? Because one thing you read in book chapter 2, he quotes Matthew 22 and he talks about the real enforceable love with God and with one another. Because he talks about contemplative, contemplative, um, he talks about contemplative theology which simply means you got to really draw from the things of God if you're going to be healthy in your spirit and in your soul and in your mind but then he also talks about making sure you reach across the table to have solid relationships with one another because you really truly can't love your brother unless you love God and you really can't love God until you know who you are I encourage every one of you and then thirdly he gives us a safe thinking mind I want to encourage every one of you today and I'm going to leave you with this challenge to rescue to participate in your own rescue I want to encourage every one of you to pause just for a moment just to pause and ask the question what's your priority because we're not getting no younger 
you're probably not going to just intentionally slow down. And if not, what is it going to happen? What has to happen? What, what, what has to happen for you to just hit the brakes and to say, let me just focus on the things that matter the most. My mother passed away. I get so busy and I get so absent-minded at times. I, I can't even tell you if it's three years or four years ago. How many? Four years ago, come, January, uh, come February, four years ago. And I literally blank out because I keep myself so busy. Hmm? Be five years is coming, February. She had a rapid dementia, which means it just came quick. And next thing you know, and I keep myself so busy, but, but the, 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 the truth, I'm saying this to you all, and I pray that you understand the reason of this transparent moment, is because she was a brilliant thinker. She was brilliant thinking. She was an educator. I saw her work so hard. She was always thinking, always creating, always doing something with her mind, always. And I have that same characteristic, always trying to do something, 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 keep busy, 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 busy. But I also share this unfortunate characteristic. She loves sweets, and I love sweets. And you can tell. And the combination, from what I understand in science, just doesn't work for, you know, some of these diseases. But when am I going to slow it down and stop and realize that, yes, Jesus loves you, and yes, you're God's child, but you're not exempt and special from the word. I need every one of you all to pause and realize you need to participate in your own mental relational and emotional health my last statement and I close the church and God bless the church I love the church we need the church come back to church be in the church we have done so wonderfully well in strengthening your spirit man but we've lacked in making sure that there's a balance to address your relationships your mental health and your emotional health therefore you can be in the church all your life you can be on the praise team you can sing you can be an elder you can be a preacher you can be an evangelist you can do all of this wonderful spiritual stuff and still be an emotional wreck in your mind you know why because we never created an atmosphere that says it's okay to not be okay. In our lives, we have miracles and we have medicine. The saints want to believe in miracles. The world says we need some medicine. But somewhere between the miracles and the medicine, we need ministry. And ministry is taking miracles and medicine together and helping you walk a journey. Let's kill this stigma that something's wrong with you because you got depression. We got to kill the stigma that you're handicapped because you got bipolar or you've got something. We got, we got to get rid of that spirit in the church. Go see a counselor, a therapist. Get on medication if you have to. Combine with prayer and healing.
we are trying to help you so you in turn can go out and help a generation heads about eyes are closed heads about and eyes are closed would you take some time to pray would you take some time to open your heart and in turn open your mouth Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those that are here, those that are online, those that will listen to this message in its entirety in the days, the weeks, the months, maybe even the years to come. That we would not be conformed to this world but we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You gave us a promise in Isaiah 26 that you would keep us in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee because we trust in you. Father, I ask today that you would give us the courage and the conviction to set our minds on things that are of you and not the things of this world. Give us the courage and conviction to reach out across the table and to ask of help of our brother and sister. For you called us to be our brother's keeper. I rebuke the spirit of pride and ego. I bind up that foul spirit of shame and fear come against every demonic spirit of condemnation I rebuke every spirit of hurt pain and condemnation of the past for those that are watching online every spirit of compromise every spirit of syncretism every spirit of sin every wickedness every spirit of lethargy I bind up that spirit of religion that causes people to think they're fine and they're okay and nothing's wrong that's that the, the deceptive and seductive I rebuke you in Jesus name and father may you pour out your love your compassion may there just be a, a, a hunger and a thirst for my brothers and my sisters that they that, that they know that they're loved they're appreciated and they're welcome to your house and to your word I thank you today that you're setting in motion today the healing process for those who have not properly grieved and they suppress their grieving. But God, you reopen that door that they will properly grieve and be healed by you. For you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord thy God that heals, that restores. In fact, you make bitterness sweet again. And so Lord, I thank you for those that are online. I thank you for these that are here. And for those that don't know you as, as, as their father, your son as their Lord and savior. I want to pray with you right now. And I just want to pray a very uh, simple, but powerful, and an effective prayer. And we call it the prayer of salvation. No matter who you are and where you're from, no matter your tradition and your upbringing, I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer with me and pray with the church. Because here's what I believe. Faith coming by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And if you believe today that Jesus is the Christ, in other words, that he is Savior. He is Lord of all. And if you believe that he lived, he died, he rose again, 
and he's coming back. He wants to be your Lord and he wants you to be his, his, his child. He wants to forgive you all of your sins. Don't, don't you want your sins forgiven? I mean, don't you want all of your sins forgiven? And not only does he want to forgive your sins, but he wants to start the journey of healing right now. Not just spiritual healing, but emotional healing. Because there's some things that happened in your childhood that's going to have to be reckoned with. There's some things that happened in your former marriage that's going to have to be dealt with. There's some things you may not even know about that he wants to deal with so you could be free and whole. And that starts today. I want to pray with you right now. Saints of God, I just ask right now that you pray this prayer with me. I want to pray for those who don't know Jesus. And then I want to pray for those who do know the Lord, but they want to start that healing process of emotion, um, mentally, and relationally. Would you pray out loud this prayer together? Lord, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for dying on the cross that I may have life. Would you forgive me of all of my sins? I am so sorry. I give my life completely to you today that you would be my Lord and that I would be your child. Save me. Save me from sin. Save me from sickness. And save me from Satan's plans. I commit my life completely to you today that I may serve you. And I thank you right now for the gift of salvation. Would you take a moment and just lift those hands to the Lord right where you're standing? And for those that are online, whether you're in the living room, bedroom, you're in the office, you're sitting at a cafe, you're sitting in a car, you're sitting in a hot tub, whoever you are, wherever you may be, I want you to pray this prayer with me while those hands are lifted. Say, Lord, I surrender all. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your love and compassion for me. Today I commit to the journey of healing in my mind, in my heart, in my life, with my relationships. I thank you for the shed blood over my life. And today, thank you for the courage and conviction to be your child, to receive your healing. I thank you for your word that comes to deliver and set me free. For whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So I thank you today for healing, for breakthrough and deliverance. For this I ask and it is done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.